Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you. Whether you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years, there is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. You make this show possible by clicking through our Brownells and Amazon affiliate links. The next time you order online, go to AR15Podcast.com and click through our Brownells and Amazon affiliate links. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and a small portion of your sale goes to supporting pro-gun radio like the AR15 Podcast. Support the Firearms Network as a whole by pledging your support at patreon.com slash frn. Welcome to episode number 133 of the AR-15 podcast. I am here alone again. Reed is still on vacation. And what I'm going to do is pull together just a few interviews from SHOT Show 2015. Uh, Just pull them right out of the archive to share with you guys uh, because we actually didn't get to listen to all of them. Uh, right after the show and on our last show rob from 308ar.com uh he mentioned these these first guys sword international a whole bunch of times Uh, i guess he's gotten his hands on a couple of their rifles and was really impressed so figured hey i did the interview with rob uh at sword and i'd share that with you guys now while we were there uh, we actually ran into Craig Sawman Sawyer. Uh, he's, he was a Navy SEAL. He was on Top Shot for five seasons. And we actually got uh, a couple words from him about a new rifle that they developed together. Unfortunately, our audio recorder died uh, just a couple minutes into our interview with Craig. Uh, and we didn't notice that. So we don't have much from, from uh, the Sawman. Um, but you'll hear a little bit about the, the rifle that they developed together. And then we'll end it with Sean from OSS, uh, which is Operator Suppression Systems. Uh, this is another company that collaborated with Sword on a few of these products. They've got some real interesting suppressor designs. And uh, so we, we ran into them, took a look at some of their products, and uh, I actually took home a break from them that I still haven't tried out yet. I got a I gotta unscrew something from one of my other rifles. Maybe I'll do the M16A1 and just pull that that uh flash hider off it i'm sure it looked kind of wacky the whole vintage look with one of these crazy oss um hider break whatever you call them um but i gotta give that a try here um but yeah let's let's just hop into the interviews and we'll start off with sword international uh here from craig sawman sawyer and then finish up with oss talking about some of their cans i'll be back at the end uh to discuss some of our feedback, our winners uh, of the latest giveaway, and uh, wrap things up. So my name's Rob. I'm the production manager for Sword International. We're based out of McCarran, Nevada. And we make high-quality precision small arms. It's not, not too far to get here, huh? No, it's about a seven-hour drive. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I made it yesterday. Um, so our 5.56 guns um, has a standard uh, AR-15 Mark 16 or M16 style charging handle, but everything else has been built with ergonomics and ease of use in design. So all our components are high quality. We use match grade barrels, button rifle barrels. Um, our compensators have been designed so the gun shoots flat and helps minimize recoil, and that's the same across the 5.56, the 308, 
and the 338 Lapua Magnum. Uh, all of the, the manual function controls, the uh, bolt catch release, and the uh, magazine release are all situated so that the index finger falls naturally for left or right-handed shooters on the controls to include uh, safety selectors left yeah, and right. Yeah, like that mag release there at the bottom of the magwell. Yeah, just your, your finger just naturally falls there. Um, what I found is after years of shooting regular AR-style rifles, it only takes a couple of magazines to get used to shooting with these controls because everything's right there intuitively. Then if you go back to somebody else's rifle, you forget where the controls are because it's not intuitive. And that's one of the things that we wanted to fix. What sort of an operating system does it use? We use a, a short-stroke, self-regulating gas piston system. So there's no gas regulator to adjust. Our 5.56 gun works with a variety of weights. We haven't found a bullet that it doesn't shoot. Our 308 is tuned to shoot everything from 147 grain to 180 grain um, with no problems. Yep, full back. functionality, lock back everything. And then the 338 Lapua we've shot with uh, Black Hills uh, 250 grain and 300 grain. Um, because of the, the quality taken with the construction, the design, and the materials in the guns, our 308, 16-inch barrel 308 shoots a quarter-minute angle at 100, and the 338 shoots right about the same. Now, somebody told me that semi-autos shouldn't be used for precision shooting, that you got to go with a bolt gun. Yeah, that is the, the motto, and it's the way that the gun is assembled. We use a lot of the same techniques that bolt gun guys do as far as the fitment from the barrel to the upper. And then the components that we use, a lot of the problem with gas guns not being accuracy rifles is they use hammer-forged chrome-lined barrels, which are great for longevity, for like the military, or for somebody who doesn't clean their gun a lot. But the material that our barrels are made out of, the fact that it's button-rifled, which is a match-grade uh, rifling system, and that they're nitrided, you still get the uh, durability and the longevity, but that, cut, or that button rifling gives you that precision that other mil-spec standard barrels don't. Okay. Now, tell me a little bit about what's on the end of the barrel. Okay, so on the uh, the Mark 16, the 5.56 gun, we have what was called our uh, Flatliner V2 uh, compensator. It's been engineered and tested over multiple uh, years. It's been around for a couple of years now. It's designed to reduce felt recoil and to keep the muzzle flat. There's no muzzle rise whatsoever. Um, I call it the one-shot compensator because guys that shoot a lot are used to that little bit of muzzle rise, even with the 5.56. The first time they shoot one of our guns, they stop and look at it because they think something is wrong, and then they realize it's not wrong, and then they start shooting. And it just it increases the shooter's accuracy and second follow-up shots because there is no muzzle rise on this. We have the same uh, proprietary designs on the 308 and the standard uh, 338 Lapua compensators. Do you ever run those full auto? We have built some uh, law enforcement guns um, with an 11-inch barrel and our compensator full auto, and it keeps everything in a man-sized target out to 50 on full auto, just pulling back and letting the magazine blaze, and you can keep shots on target, nice, nice. which is unheard of. Now, what differences do you see when you step up to the 308 platform? So the 308 platform is a, is a little bit bigger, obviously. Magazine well's bigger. The handguard dimensions are bigger. Um, we're the using charging system? Uh, the charging handle on the 308 and the 338 is a fold-flat, side-mounted, non-reciprocating charging handle. So once you pull the bolt to the rear, lock the bolt up, slide it forward, it locks into place with a detent, and it does not cycle with the bolt. It's easily used by both left and right-handed shooters, um, and it's just one less thing 
uh, one thing that makes the gun more reliable and more unique. Uh, what, what sort of coatings you guys have here? So uh, on the basic guns, the five, the five five six Mark sixteen, the Mark seventeen three hundred eight, and the Mark eighteen three thirty eight Lapua, you can get uh, black anodized or one of three proprietary sword colors: uh, Regnar Green, Battle Brown, or Assaulter Gray, and those are Cerakote. Uh, do you guys have any partnerships with other guys here at the show? Um, we are, yeah, we are partnered with OSS. Uh, OSS compensators, we like them because they don't increase back pressure like most compensators do. And in a gas piston system that's designed like ours is, any additional back pressure can hamper the cycle and the function and the reliability of the rifle. So by partnering with them, we can run a compensator that reduces the volume and maintains the functionality and accuracy and durability of our guns. All right. Um, do you have any uh, names that we'd recognize that have your product in their hands? Um, we have several law enforcement agencies throughout California uh, right now. Um, Cowtown Range uses some of our older uh, impingement guns. What sort um, of roles um, to the police departments? How are they putting these guns into their officers' hands? Most of them are SWAT or interdiction teams. Okay. Um, so these are uh, guys on the ground as well as the ones And that some are, patrol uh, officers carrying them, yeah. Okay. Um, Long-range performance is, is um, there. what they're looking for for their... They're looking CMR more... Rifles. Well, they're using more of the Mark 16, the 5.56 guns, in the direct action type role, uh, felony warrant serving, that sort of thing. Um, they are showing interest in the 308s, uh, law enforcement, not so much the 338. Uh, but we have had some interest in law enforcement agencies using our uh, Mark 17 as a DMR. Now, tell me about the partnership with Craig Sawyer. How'd that get get started? Um, actually, I think uh, the vice president, uh, Garrett Schwindel, has known Craig for a while. And uh, he actually came out and taught at a event called Target Sparks back in August. He ran a high-angle precision shoot. Uh, that we put on and uh, he heard about the 338 was really interested in it because you know conventional wisdom to get any kind of accuracy out of a 338 it's got to be a bolt gun and he's seen the accuracy that we get out of our piston guns so he said hey can you guys build one he's got his sponsors helping out with parts us optics savvy sling uh, gg and g on the bipod um, so we got some parts from them created a decided we wanted to do it in burnt bronze and then provide it as the uh, Craig Sawyer Sawman Signature uh, Mark 18 Mjolnir Edition. <laughs> That's a long name. Yeah. Uh, where where are people getting their hands on these? Is it a limited run sort of item? So the the Sawman editions are going to be pretty much built to order. Okay. Um, we don't anticipate having stock of those in hand. Right. Uh, the other guns will build for production, um, but a Craig Sawyer one because it is a limited edition signature edition. Uh, it'll be we want one of those. We'll send it out, get it the burnt bronze Cerakote, source all the parts, and uh, have it out in the user's hands. Now, how far have you guys taken that out to? Um, we've done some uh, plinking. Uh, the range we have doesn't really facilitate super long-range testing yet. We're working on that. Um, but we've been able to get accurate hits well past four, five, and 600 with it. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any sort of accuracy guarantee that you provide with your uh, rifles? Uh, we will guarantee that the rifle is capable of, in this particular case, uh, right now we're saying sub half minute. Uh, we're going to do some more further testing, do a couple of tweaks, 
but our 338 Mark 7 or 308, sorry, Mark 17, uh, we will guarantee that it is capable of a quarter minute of angle because it's been done repeatedly. It's just up to the shooter to to do everything right to get that out of it. Is there a particular ammunition that you're recommending, guys? Uh, um, what we've done, uh, we have a partnership with Black Hills on the 338, and we've been using exclusively their 250 grain and 300 grain. Um, on the 308, we've tuned it to shoot a variety of ammo because you can never guarantee what people are going to buy and shoot. So we've shot it with everything from Hornady 147 up to Federal 180 grain, and it functions and cycles fine. Um, and every little bit of ammo in between, we've tested high-quality uh, hunting ammo and match ammo and low-quality reloads. Perfect. All right, anything else you want to share? Anything coming up this year that we could be looking forward to? Um, we should have, uh, as far as the training event goes, we should have... Uh, Another Target Sparks coming up this summer, uh, Target Sparks 2015. It's three days of shooting with uh, ex-military special operators, uh, pistol, rifle. And Craig Sawyer I hasn't committed yet, I don't know, but he likes to come out and do the high-angle shooting stuff. And with this gun, he'll have a lot of fun out there. Uh, and then um, continuing to improve on the, what we have out. How do guys find you? You got a website presence? Uh, sword, www.sword-int.com. Uh, so because we are a low volume, high quality manufacturer of firearms, we're kind of particular about what we use for dealers. Um, we try to keep, you know, one dealer in a given area and not saturate the area because we don't want to, we want to maintain the quality control and high quality of our firearms. So you can go into any gun dealer and have them order a rifle from us. Um, and we'll gladly sell it and ship it out to you. But you want your stocking dealers to actually know what they have on the shelf there. And yeah. To... When, and, you know, one of the reasons we've gone to some uh, proprietary colors is you walk into a gun store, and our dealers have told us this, there's a 100 black rifles and there's one brown one. The brown one might be a parts kit gun that doesn't have any high quality, but everybody wants to know about the brown gun. So we want our dealer reps to be able to say, okay, so this is this gun, this is this gun. That's why the sword gun is different than this one. And uh, just, you know, be knowledgeable and just kind of have let them have kind of their own area that they have and not, you know, chain store, saturate the market. Do you have any public uh, numbers as far as how many you've been sending out the door? Um, I don't, we've been doing mostly R&D the last year or so. We've sold a few of the older Mark 16s, um, still a gas piston system, but not with the ambi controls and whatnot, and we've moved, you know, 60, 70 guns the last six months, probably. Um, With the introduction of all these new ones. Yeah, that's what we've been really focusing on, the R&D and getting these guns right the way that we want them. I'm Craig Sawman Sawyer. I was a former Marine, a Navy SEAL, and then uh, ended up as a Navy SEAL sniper. And most people know me from some television stuff I've done, mainly uh, five seasons of History Channel's Top Shot, Rhino Wars, and so forth. Uh, I met the guys that run Sword International and really liked the, their operational mindset. They're, they're rangers, so they're operators, so they get it uh, from the end user's perspective when they build these rifles. So they're building them for operators. And so they're not approaching it from an engineering perspective so much as an end user perspective. Or for, for me, that, that, that causes me to understand that they're, they're getting, getting to that, that final product to much more directly. Whereas an engineer wants to build a rifle the way that he wants to build it. To a um, and, 
yeah, yeah. And these guys are actually, like you said, they're, they're building it to a mission and they're listening. So they asked me, Saul, if you deployed right now, what would you want to carry as a, as a spec ops Navy SEAL sniper? And I told them, I said, look, nobody makes it. Uh, and they said, well, what would it be? And I described it to them and then they've made it. And what it is, is semi-auto, 338 Lapua, sniper rifle. Um, and they have basically re-engineered the entire AR-10 platform uh, to be better, more reliable, more accurate in every possible way. And um, it's the most impressive sniper system I've ever seen. So I think this thing could be really a game changer. Now, did they offer anything in this caliber before you uh, kind of entered the fray? No, they did not. And uh, I, I got to give them credit, man. It was a, it was a gutsy move on their part to, uh, to to take the the word from from one guy and just run with it and sink that much time and energy and um, and um, an investment into it. And, and they have. My name's Sean Buchanan. I'm with OSS Suppression, Operator Suppressor Systems. Uh, Russ, the president and founder, uh, he and I met mm, five, six years ago, or maybe ten years ago. It's kind of a blur. Uh, but uh, we're both in, in the special operations community. Uh, I was used, used to be with 1st Special Forces Group. Russ was 19th Group. And uh, we're both subject matter experts on the USAFIC Weapons Council. I was for belt-fed machine guns, and Russ obviously was for suppressors. Um, so I, I did that combat development job for a little over three years, and uh, when I retired, uh, I actually was fortunate enough to be offered a position with Six Hour as the product manager for the Global Defense Sales Group. Uh, great job, worked with a lot of great people, Sig's got a great product, uh, but I had moved cross-country away from my family and my kids, uh, from my kids, uh, I, and... Uh, after doing that job for a couple of years, uh, my Russ calls me up and says, "Hey, man, I need a guy to, to be my project manager, run projects, do you know, basically a little bit of everything, and and I need you to come out to Salt Lake City and uh, move me within two hours of my kids, and and I was going to go work with a buddy, and it was something, you know, kind of a, a family decision as much as anything else, and you know, Russ is actually kind of like family too, so I, uh, with a heavy heart, I said goodbye to Sig and and." Uh, Went out to Salt Lake City, started working with Russ as being his project guy. What's the OSS team look like right now? Right now, if you were to walk up into the OSS team, we're a bunch of knuckle draggers. Um, a lot of the guys, most about most of the guys in OSS are prior military. Uh, we've got law enforcement guys as well. We've got a mixture of guys from the Special Forces community, the Marine Corps, uh, Big Army. Few, few retired police officers, so there's a lot of breadth of experience when it comes to actual operational use of the system, uh, and that even comes to some of the, the machinists in the back or guys from the special operations community. The joke is that if uh, first of the 19th group deployed right now, we'd lose about 25, 30 percent of the <laughs> personnel at OSS. Uh, but what You're doing that everything in house? Yeah, right now we office, we have a machine together. shop and the front office for sales. Uh, there are a few parts we do have subcontracted. We have some parts casted, uh, and we don't have the capability to do casting right now. So we have those parts casted. We do the finished machining in-house. All the parts on the can are, are done in-house. It's all American-made, uh, actually made by veterans. The majority of the guys making these are veterans. Um, so what you've got is, uh, you know, a lot of, basically a lot of retired shooters making suppressors. Uh, Russ Oliver, the president, he is the, uh, he's the brain behind this suppressor system. 
Um, how he comes up with some of this, I, I, I honestly don't know. But one of the cool things about it is uh, because it's a flow-through suppressor technology, and this particular signature reduction module has had uh, several thousand rounds. We lost count, and that's as dirty as it gets. Uh, because it's a flow-through suppressor system, it just keeps flowing through. Um, so now it looks like something you might see on a Boeing or an Airbus. It is. So it's been referred to several times as a jet engine in reverse, and that's basically what it is. The way the system works, um, I have a cutaway here, is uh, this slides over your barrel. This is where your barrel threads into. So this little portion here is what's actually in front of your barrel, which if you look at a lot of the current flash hiders and muzzle brakes out there, it's about the same length. Yeah. So what you have essentially is you've, you've put a device on the end of your barrel to reduce sound, reduce visual signature, uh, control the back pressure uh, of the suppressor without actually adding a lot of length. So, and what you'll have is, yeah, so what you have is if you look at it, and this is our Gen 4 design, our Gen 5 design is, is out. Uh, you'll start seeing it some places here on the show, uh, more specifically on the uh, Sword International's 338 gun. That's our Magnum can. Uh, it's called Magnum for a reason. It's big. Uh, but you'll also see our Gen 5 on uh, Nemesis Arms takedown gun, uh, the same one that was in the Bourne con uh, Conspiracy, okay. the last Bourne movie. Uh, our can's not in the movie, unfortunately, uh, but the, the rifle is. Uh, so our Gen 5 can is there. And in Desert Tactical's booth, you'll see the new Gen 5 technology as well. Uh, but it works in the same principle as you have that first set of deflectors that push the gas out and away from the bore line. Actually, it sucks it out of the away from the bore line, and then what it does is through these two channels here, both that inside one and outside one, uh, it guides the gas and lets it flow and expand rearward towards the back of the can. So, yep, wait for her to her get her photo. I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening for the click. I'm listening for the click. Um, my wife actually is a photographer as well, so I kind of have an understanding. So once that all pushes back, what you'll do is, is the inner coils evacuate through there. The outer ones are directly in line with these. They push to this set, and everything gets pushed forward and out the front of the suppressor. So the system would look a little bit like that. Okay. Now this... this instance, this would be a complete suppressor. This would be... allows for a module. Yes, it does. What you have is you get it with this SRM-1... Or, excuse me, as I was with this BPR one, you get eight decibels sound reduction. So you get not you get you go from that 165 range down to about that 146 range. And you're um, adding like two inches. Basically. You're not really even adding that because remember, take into account A2 flash hiders and stuff like that. Uh, so it also regulates the back pressure, so you don't get the bolt velocity increase, you don't get all that gas back into your face. Uh, allows it all to flow through the system. Uh, and then it flows into what we call the signature reduction module. That just screws onto the end here. We time the system. And actually, I think I had it already timed. Sometimes I just get lucky and I, I've got it right on. Yep. Tighten that cap down. So I get that tight and then full time. 
And now what I do is I'm down, I'm now below 140 decibel and, uh, I have none of the back pressure. Uh, when we sound meter these, we sound meter in a six by six room, uh, with, at the shooter's ear. So yeah, it's a small, it's a small space. We, we probably would get better sound results if maybe we moved away from, uh, going outside, but understanding that the history and all the guys that work at OSS, we've all, we're operators or former operators. Moving down hallways. Uh, moving down hallways in buildings. This is where suppression is critical. So we have an understanding that that's the worst place you, you can be to suppress a gun, and that's where you need it the most. So if you make it happen there, then you're yep. going to have even better We have it everywhere. Outside. Exactly. Um, and like I said, if you've seen some of the Gen 5 stuff, it actually connects easier. One of the other things, too, is uh, besides uh, keeping that back pressure from blowing in your face, having the sound mitigation... Negating bolt velocity increase. Uh, it's like running your car at 8,000 RPM. You can do it, but you can only do it for so long before your car breaks down. Same thing with a semi-automatic weapon system, any of your ARs. Uh, you create that back pressure. The the, uh, the gun starts running faster than it's supposed to. It starts breaking down in critical areas, uh, as well as having a bunch of black gas in your face. It's very unpleasant. I shoot lefty, and that's definitely an issue. Oh yeah. I've been shooting cuz I get yeah, it all you, over my face. You get yeah, you need you have to have a gas buster even unsuppressed, right? Yeah. So, the other thing is the suppressors heat up, right? That traditional baffle traps all that heat in the first two three baffles, what they call the blast baffles. So you end up with 1200 degrees in the back and like 400 degrees, 500 degrees in the front. So if you've seen a katana, right? And it has the Hammond that temper line, well that sword isn't forged in a curved manner. It's actually hammered out straight and then what they do is they put a clay on it heat it up so it heats up unevenly then when they quick quench it it quenches unevenly and that differential tempering is what it's called is what creates that curve in the in the sword so if you imagine on a traditional baffle suppressor you start back here and you're you start you do four or five magazines and you're now at 1200 degrees and you're about 400 500 degrees here you, you're talking about baffle strikes coming into the picture. Oh yeah, baffle strikes, but not only that, your can can warp a little bit. Think about this, is that like a katana, you have that differential heating and that differential cooling because they're going to cool differently. So that can can do nothing but change its shape uh, because you've heated and cooled it at an uneven rate. With an OSS can, because everything flows through, about 650 degrees is what you're going to have throughout the entire can evenly. Now, you get a full-auto gun or a belt-fed machine gun, you run it full-auto for two, three hundred rounds, four or five magazines. We'll get up to about 800 degrees, but that 800 degrees still doesn't exceed the thermal capabilities uh, of the metal, whereas 1,200 degrees, you've blown right past the thermal capability of the metal. So, that makes sense. Yep. What sort of metals are you using? Have you uh, kind of Currently, on any of it? No. Well, unless you count titanium as being exotic, uh, so, which some do, we, um, but it's being used quite often. So, um, cans generally, depending on what pressures it needs to withstand, what weapon systems is going on, we use a combination of stainless steel, titanium, and aluminum. Uh, we were thinking about unobtainium, but no one seems to be able to provide it. Uh, so, when you break down your uh, products into different offerings, how do you split that? Is it designed for a specific platform, and you buy that one can, or is it like? I want a 5.56 can, I'll buy this one. No, what we do, we do have it kind of split down for specific. We have some cans for bolt guns, some cans for machine guns. The Magnum cans obviously are all bigger, and then we have 
the cans for the semi-autos. Uh, it's sold as a system, so when you purchase it, you're going to get the back pressure regulator, the BPR-1, and you're going to get a signature reduction module. And you can say if you want the SRM-4 or the SRM-6. Uh, we also have an SRM-2, 5, 7, and 8. And all that's dependent on what caliber, how much uh, signature reduction you think you need, and also uh, how much farther over the barrel you're willing to go. On the back pressure regulators on the new Gen 5s, we also have six different lengths. All those lengths are determined by the shoulder on the where your muzzle device would thread on back to what we call the first uh, obstruction on the bore or obstruction on the barrel. Gas block, hand guards, you know, some guys, they have that particular hand guard they love. They spend a lot of money on a custom hand guard. They don't want to take it off to put a can under it. So we'll have a can that comes up just to the hand guard. Uh, and then so the length of the BPR has a little determination on the length of the SRM. Obviously, the less we can put behind the barrel, the more we have to put in front of the barrel. Um, now, are guys stocking these in stores? Is it something you would go pick up? Or would, would uh, I right like, call now, you and say, hey, this is my platform? Which one Yeah, like right it? now the best bet to get one is to actually get in touch with OSS uh, and then find out and find a guy in your area. And primarily it's because we're going to ask a couple of critical questions. What's your platform? And what's that critical length, that, that length from the shoulder? Back to the uh, back to the first obstruction. Now there are, and I I don't have a list with me, so I couldn't tell you. There are dealers out there that do have them. You have a few numbers of these in their stores, and they're typically the models that are for straight on ARs. You know, nothing extremely exotic. Um, and then we have a couple of OEMs we work with. HK has it has this as an, uh, an OEM we work with the Christensen Arms as well. Uh, you can go to their website or order from them directly one of their rifles and one of our cans as a package. And we're starting to team up with some others. Yeah, it uh, seems like you guys have been busy this week. You've been talking to a bunch of guys. We have been running around. We've got a couple of guys that we have trapped in booths and we won't let them leave. Uh, or the crowds don't let them leave. Uh, but then there's a couple of individuals like myself that I'm at large. Uh, so if you find me on the show floor, uh, you know, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. All right. Um, any numbers as far as how many of these are out there, how many you um, uh, used overseas at all? That's not something we can really put out right now. Right. So, um, Are you using them uh, in an operational sense at all? Do you have guys that... that have again, we have. There are a couple of federal agencies uh, that have them, uh, but again, you know, they like to keep it on the down low that, you know, who, what they have and, and, uh, and such. So, and coming from the business standpoint of OSS being a lot of operators, we understand that. So it's one of those things where, you know, if they're like, hey, we've got them, we like them, we'll keep ordering, but, you know. Don't put us on the front page. Don't of the put website. us on the front page of the website, exactly. All so, right. What are you guys excited for this year? Uh, new this year that's kind of uh, the BPR2. It's our flush mount. Um, it's been something, a project that's been in the work for a while, and uh, we finally got the bugs finished out on it. Uh, it is designed to fit on those rifles that have to be a flush mount. It does not require an SRM to get the signature reduction. I mean, we're happy about the Gen 5 altogether, uh, but the BPR2 particularly, um, uh, first couple of tests we did with it, again, that 6x6 room, 10.5 inch, uh, HK416, M855 at the shooter's ear, and we were getting 138 with a significantly reduced back pressure, great sound reduction. So, yeah, we're pretty excited about the BPR1. We figure... Once the news gets out on it that we have a flush mount option, we think a lot of people are going to be looking at that one as well. Awesome. All right. Anything to add? No.
Appreciate your time. Yep, thank you. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your Huckleberry. Why, Johnny Ringo, you look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. <coughs> Play for blood, remember? I was just fooling about it. I wasn't. Say when. Show Johnny Ringo who's boss with Patriot Patch Company's Huckleberry Patch. A must-have for any range pack. Pre-order yours today at PatriotPatch.co. Alright guys, welcome back from those interviews. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to those guys and they've got some really sweet stuff to check out. Um, man, those sword rifles were super slick. The OSS cans were just the weirdest thing you've seen. Um, and they're totally willing to let you open them right up and take a look at what's going on inside. Um, so it, it was definitely cool getting hands on some of those and, uh, Man, that 338 Lapua AR, that is something else. Um, we have a mountain of Otis Technology maintenance tools and cleaning kits for both the AR-15 and the big bore guys, the AR-10. Um, we have been giving them away. And so you guys have been seeing those posts on Facebook here lately. This last week's winner was Luis Chavez. And Reed already reached out to him. We're going to send... Uh, him some Otis product. And, uh, the other thing I have to give away is a couple vortex optics, uh, that just came in this last week. I pulled one out of the box. I threw it on an AK. I've got actually, uh, that I just threw one of those new ALG triggers in and, uh, I want to hit the range and take a look through it. I mean, it's pretty sweet here. Just running around the house. Um, it's got the nice ground glass, uh, reticle, uh, in the one power, it's called the Spitfire. And, uh, you can light it up with either green or red illumination and that sucker's sharp. Um, so I'm really looking forward to taking it to the range. Uh, I kind of posted on Instagram and said, Hey, should I just send these right out or maybe open them up, take a look? And, uh, I got the go ahead, uh, to open it up and, um, throw a couple rounds down range. So I'm going to be trying to take that out this weekend. I'll bring the video camera along and hopefully get some up on YouTube for you guys to take a look at that Spitfire. Um, and then we'll figure out how we're going to give those away. We've got the one power and the three power um, that Vortex sent over. So we're really looking forward to getting those in the hands of some listeners. All right, for feedback here, uh, we actually had a post on the Facebook page from Eric Olson, and he's running a fundraiser for Camp Hope. Uh, it's over at the Chris Neal Farm, and he's raising money for them by selling disabled veteran patches online. So he threw some links on the page. I've included them in the show notes, and just wanted to read here about Camp Hope. It is... Um, a place that was started by Gold Star Parents, uh, Mike and Gallia White, and it's southeast of Lambert St. Louis Airport in Missouri. And it was created to honor the, the memory of their son, Private First Class Christopher Neal White. He was a 23-year-old Marine uh, who was tragically killed in action in Al-Ambar, Iraq, in, on June 20th, 2006. 
So Camp Hope actually provides free outdoor adventures to combat wounded vets of the War on Terror and active duty combat wounded soldiers, Marines, airmen, and sailors. And it seems like a really cool place. Uh, it reminded me of a couple interviews that we were able to do uh, at SHOT with a few of the different organizations that are helping out vets that are made up of vets that are in uh, similar situations as, as to what Camp Hope uh, helps out with. And I'm going to have to definitely pull those together and put up another show. Um, kind of liked looking back and re-listening to those interviews. So there's definitely some great content that we haven't been able to share with you guys yet. Um, maybe one of these other kind of uh, one-man shows, I'll, I'll be able to do that. And you'll be able to hear from some of those organizations because they were doing some really cool things at SHOT. Um, the other piece here, I've got a screenshot of an Instagram photo that Big Biller put up. Uh, we get a lot of... Uh, photos and feedback from him. I know he's commented on a couple of my things. Really appreciate it. Um, he has a Comblock, he calls it a Comblock 2 M4. And, uh, he says it's an economical heavy hitter. It's a M4, but it's chambered in 762 by 39. So he's got these kind of stubby, uh, straight steel magazines and he's running steel cased, um, AK ammo in it. And that looks sweet. That looks like a good time. All right, guys, uh, as usual, send us any questions or comments to feedback at ar15podcast.com. You can also send us a recorded voicemail using the SpeakPipe plugin on the right-hand side of the podcast website. Subscribe and listen to the show for free in iTunes or on Stitcher. Leave us a review there so that our show can be found by other listeners. And uh, just like Big Bill, or show, share your pictures with us on Instagram at AR15podcast, and tag your picture, just the same thing, hashtag AR15podcast. Uh, sounds like we're going to try try uh, starting on Periscope. Uh, I just pulled that up this last week, and it's um, kind of different, so it, it might be kind of cool if I, I boot that up here when I hit the range. Maybe I'll give that a try. Um, I'll log into the at AR15podcast account and try broadcasting from there. And uh, you can kind of see live what we're up to at the range. And uh, I think maybe for like 24 hours or so, you can probably do a playback. Um, so, yeah, follow us there, and then you'll get a notification when I start broadcasting. Um, we are on YouTube. If you search for AR15 Podcast, that's where all our video episodes go up. Uh, obviously, on Facebook, we get a lot of feedback there. If you go to facebook.com slash AR15podcast, you'll be able to connect with us, leave messages, uh, posts about the show. And remember, this is just one show on the wonderful Firearms Radio Network. So check out some of the other shows. Uh, listen in and see if there's something else that can uh, just suck up all of your time and help um, the, the long drives or flights go by that much faster. Maybe you listen in the office uh, while you're cranking away. Uh, at the nine to five, uh, but we really appreciate it. And we know that you will find something else on the network here that you like. Uh, don't forget to use our Brownells affiliate link for all your AR 15 parts at AR 15 podcast.com slash parts. And for everything else, you can use the Amazon affiliate links on all the sites here. Uh, if you go to firearmsradio.tv slash Amazon, it'll shoot you right over there. doesn't cost you anything extra, but we get <clears throat> just a little kickback from your purchase. So we really appreciate all the support, guys, the feedback that we get on a weekly basis. Um, you listeners really make this worth it. And, uh, yeah, keep it up. Let us know what you want to hear about. And uh, if you've been hitting the range lately and something's been uh, really just a hoot to play with. So 
get in touch, and we will talk to you again soon. does one maintain freedom? That's a question our founding fathers pondered over 200 years ago. They believed the solution was in our Constitution and its amendments. We exercise the freedom of speech every day here at FRN, along with the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Preserving freedom. We believe the Second Amendment could possibly be that one amendment that protects all the rest. Help us to preserve America as a shining light on the hill. We do our part by providing entertainment and information that supports the Second Amendment every day. Preserving freedom. What do you believe? Get involved. Show your support at patreon.com slash frn. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.